This is the Author Archive podcast. 25 years ago, on the 31st of August, 1997, Princess Diana died in Paris in an horrific car crash. The one survivor from that car was the bodyguard, the bodyguard who'd been employed by Mohammed Al-Fayed to guard his son, Dodi. Now, after the crash... Mohammed Al-Fayed was looking for all sorts of conspiracies which would explain the crash. And one of the people who took, uh, well, who appeared in some of these conspiracies was the bodyguard, Trevor Rees-Jones. He kept a very low profile after the crash for a while, but then he wrote a book, The Bodyguard's Story. I'm David Freeman. I spoke to him. Well, it, it took a long time for a lot of people to try and encourage me to do something. My ideal had been all the way along was to, was to say nothing at all to anyone. Um, but then, obviously, that the interview with the Daily Mirror came out when I was still at Harrods. I was approached to do that and, again, reluctant. And the, and the sort of line was taken, can you feel it in your heart for the boss? He's, you know, he's lost his son. And, I, well, I, and I, I did feel for him. So went ahead with that. Then the place went berserk you know there was offers coming in left right and center for more interviews I didn't want to didn't want to do that I didn't think it was right at the time but as things have gone on uh, there's been you know hurtful accusations in in the media uh, some by my former employer so I, I think everyone deserves the right to reply uh, and that's this is myself and Kez the, the other bodyguard who was with me that evening you know we felt we had, didn't have a voice so that's part of it also I've got two years worth of legal bills that need paying. I mean, I took over the, the, the lawyer's fees from leaving Harrods. And also the, the, the gap that was left by me not saying anything was being filled by, by other people to say what they liked. And I think if I, and I was, you know, getting a bit sick of that, but I didn't have a, a leg to stand on because they say, well, why don't you tell us what you remember? So f for me, hopefully this is a, a chance to just, you know, put a line under it and, and say to people, there it is. It's, you know, I like to think it's a, a, an unbiased, truthful and honest account, you know, but, but it's a personal account of what happened yeah. and we'll move on. Just take that word memory. There's a, there's a piece in your narrative where Fired is getting cross with you because you can't remember and you must be able to remember. Yeah. And you say in uh, The Bodyguard's story that from pulling off the back, from pulling away from the back um, entrance of the hotel in yeah. Paris, you can't actually remember. I remember getting into the vehicle. We were waiting at the, not actually at the main back door of the hotel, it's in the sort of tradesman's uh, exit. Um, there was myself, Henri Paul, and Dodie and the Princess, and they were in a, you know, a, a jovial mood. Uh, we walked out, I got them into the vehicle, Henri Paul got into the driver's seat, and I got in the, the passenger seat. We started to pull off, I looked behind my shoulder and noticed that uh, there was a few paparazzi vehicles there, I'd noticed them before. They pulled off the pavement to join us. Uh, and that's the last thing I remember. And nothing at all till waking up in hospital, gradually coming to in hospital. So what's related in here is, I mean, reconstruction is a word big in your life, but this is a reconstruction of what you feel is actually the truth of what happened. It's, it's the truth of what happened. I like to think that, uh, you know, as I said just previously, there's no agendas at all in there. It's as we saw it through our eyes. And that was the main thing I, that I, I, um, I said to Moira Johnson, who, who was uh, actually doing the actual mechanics right. of it. 
that I, want, I don't want any agendas on it. This is just what we happened. And if we can't remember something, or if it, something happened when we weren't there, we're not going to comment on it. So it's a straightforward, honest account. And it's, uh, so it's a reconstruction of then, but also it's more than that. It's what happened to me personally. You know, a lot of the book is what's happened since my recovery, what the, the surgeon did, which is, is in there in quite detail, mm. uh, and, and moving on and recovery since the accident. So it's not a Diana Doty book. It's, it's my book of what happened to me. Four of you in that car. How many of you were wearing seatbelts? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember the seatbelt issue at all. It's, uh, it was reported widely in the, in the media that I was wearing a seatbelt. Yeah. And, and I had to accept that because I don't have a, any memory at all of the journey. Then when uh, the, uh, the car had been dismantled and inspected by the police, it was shown that there's no way that seatbelt, that I had been wearing a seatbelt. And that was reported in two, two lines in, in the media. And that was hurtful, the fact that I've been sort you know, ridiculed, knocked down in the media saying that unprofessional practices of wearing a seatbelt, and I didn't know, and obviously I had to accept the same as everyone else. And then when it was found, it wasn't, that wasn't reported. Um, and it was shown that, th that the, the couple weren't either. That night, could they have wanted to go in the car without any bodyguard? Was that one of the things that they, they did? They did. Uh, Dodie did. He, I, I don't have a perfect memory, obviously, of the whole, the whole evening, but the, the things that I was prepared to put my, you know, my name against, my finger on, is that being told of the change of plan by Henri Paul, and he said uh, Dodie wants to leave from the rear of the, of the uh, hotel. That wasn't a problem in itself. With one vehicle, I wasn't happy with that, and with no security, which I wasn't going to accept whatsoever. Um, so, you know, I enforce a point, and it's, it's pretty yeah. graphic. There's, oh, yeah. there's no effing way you're leaving with no security, yeah. I'm coming with you. And I you know, put my foot down to Henri Paul on that. Again, said it to Dodie, not, not in the same terms, but I said, I'm coming with you, and that wasn't argued. Then I tried to advise Dodie that the crowd had been pushed back away from the front of the Ritz, that it was safe to leave from the front, and I had advised that. He wanted to leave from the back, it was obvious, and, but accepted that I could, could go with them. And, and the worry was that if I enforced the point too much, he had the, the, uh, the power to just dismiss both security. He, he could say, well, I don't want either of you, you both go back to the, to the apartment, we'll meet you there. He's a boss, it's private security. So that was a worry on that. What was your... What were your professional and private feelings about uh, Henri Paul being the driver? I had no problem with Henri Paul being a driver whatsoever. He, he hadn't, he'd driven that morning, he'd driven the backup car that morning from Le Bourget and, and you know, he'd driven really well. You know, Kez had, uh, had reported that. It was, a, you know, it was a difficult drive with the, the attention of the, of the media. Mm -hmm. So, no, he'd, he'd driven well. I had no problems with him driving. Uh, the problem I had was that was not, there, was, there wasn't two vehicles. You know, from the, I had no problem with leaving from the rear of the hotel. There was no, there wasn't two vehicles, and I wanted security to go with the couple. So I had no problems with Henri Paul driving, and uh, you know, the, his blood tests have shown that he had been drinking and that he was on various uh, medications. Again, n no idea at all. He, as far as I was concerned, he was at work. He was behaving exactly the same way as he had that morning and previous times I'd seen him. What was the, what was the ambience? What was the environment like during the decision taking um, that led to you four being in that car was it was it measured and were people making with hindsight rational decisions um it was we had set up 
what we, we were happy with, myself and Kez, which was the, you know, the, the two vehicles waiting to be called onto the front and we'd move the crowd away. Um, Dodie had the, the, you know, the position, he could, he could say, no, I want to leave from the rear of the hotel. He had that, you know, that, uh, the power, if you like, he was the boss. And that's no problem with that. I think that the problem was that he didn't then take our advice of saying, well, you know, two vehicles or, or so. I don't know how I don't know how the decisions were made. I, they were just relayed to me. I know that Dodie trusted Henri Paul. Uh, he was very very happy with him. Uh, you could see that from the way that when they came off the plane, they went straight to him, shook hands. There was a pat on the back. So they obviously were close and and and, and he was well trusted. And I had no problem with him driving. So it's. It's a, you know, it's a, the tragedy of that evening was the, the mistake that was made was in Henri Paul not declaring, in declaring himself fit to drive. Yes, you say that in the book. And in a sense, that jumps off the page as being the crux of that whole incident. That I, whole I, think, I think so. I think that, you know, I've accepted what the French report said, but it is, if you, if you look at the mechanics of it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that if, if we'd have got back uh, to the to the uh, apartment safely, um, we'd have had a debrief back at Park Lane. And the thing would have been declared a success. I was still going to inform Dodie that he had to give us more information to do the job properly and had to take our advice. The the, the only problem was was that that you know, a man who had been drinking and he must have known how much he'd had to drink. Maybe he was caught up in the atmosphere of the whole thing and and didn't declare that he was unfit to drive and. Uh, and you know, the rest is history, unfortunately. Were you happy in the job? Were you uh, a fulfilled young man doing that bodyguarding job? Yeah, it was. It was a. It's an element of routine in every job. Obvi obviously, there is. Uh, but you know, that summer it had, it had come alive. If you like, the the princess was on the scene. I didn't even think if she was going to be there for a, a long term or short term. But the, things like that made the job exciting. You know, I, uh, and it'd be it's, it's human. It, I enjoyed that challenge and enjoyed that summer so yeah I was was happy with the job. And what was your take on her from from your role which is close but, but sort of physically close <laughs> yeah. yet uh, yet distant at the same time? Yeah I think I mean I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there many of people have asked me well, yeah, what was she like and I tried to explain it's a, it's a professional relationship you're not there mm. to be a friend to these people you're there to look after them and mm. but very pleasant I mean so easy to talk to and and so natural and I've been quoted as saying uh, this week saying the sort of woman you could take down the pub and I mean that as a, as a compliment you know not, not no other reason but it's very natural very uh, very easy going and your relationship with the fire dynasty father and son was that easy at that now or oh, no then 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 yeah mr. F I mean it's a very distant relationship as far as I'm concerned different people you know respond in different ways I was happy with extremely just a professional relationship with Dodie it was polite it was good morning it was first name terms um, always please and thank you, but I didn't really enter into any great conversations with him. Um, mystified uh, is a, you know, is a, is a larger than life figure in some ways, um, and pays pays a good wage and demands a good uh, a good job from me. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just professional. Were you close enough to be able to see the reality of the relationship between Diana and Dodie? I mean, again, there's been. So two years of wild surmise. I mean, were you in the position to know the truth? Well, what I'm prepared to say on it is that obviously something had clicked between the two of them. I mean, uh, you couldn't force, you can't force two people together. The princess made the choice to go on that holiday. Uh, the other things that I've seen are, are 
private. I'm not prepared to comment on them. That's a kiss and tell, and that's not what I'm about. No, 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 no. I just I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to. Um, people have surmised what the long-term relationship might have been. I, I don't think you can comment on that. Who knows? That's a great unknown. Unfortunately, the people, the two people that were in that relationship, were no longer here to, to comment on it. So, and I wasn't that close. It was uh, they were on holiday together. They didn't want myself and Kez standing over them 24 hours a day. When we were on the board the yacht, they were in the, the, their living area. They knew where we were. And it was a secure environment, short of pirates leaping on board the boat. It was, uh, it was pretty secure. But at, at the back of the book, I mean, you, you are professional throughout, but you do say, if I met the princes now, I'd say, I did my best, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a great feeling I had in the first, perhaps eight months after I'd left hospital, was uh, three things that I really wanted to do. One was visit Dodie's gravesite, one the princesses, and, and if possible, third one was to see the princes. I managed to see Dodies. I went to Oxted and saw that the mausoleum they built there. Um, I didn't, didn't bring up any great emotions, it was just something I wanted to, to do. It was almost at that time I was naive enough to think that would be able to put a full stop on yeah. things and move on. I didn't go to the, uh, the princesses, I felt that if anyone got wind of it it would just turn into a ridiculous media circus and, that's, and that wouldn't have been right so I didn't go there and didn't a approach the princes for exactly the same reason and I'm not I'm not putting pressure on anyone to do it now. It's, that's a feeling I had back then, mm. and I've moved on since. Uh, you've got a note from her, a letter from her? It was something that, that all the lads got on the first holiday. Um, there was, I'm not sure how many we had on the team, but there were you know, over 10, 10 15, 15 lads at least on the team there. And uh, a letter uh, that I was in my pigeonhole when I got back off my 10 days leave, saying, you know, thanks very much for all the hard work. Uh, it's been we realised that our presence made it a lot more difficult. And then a little bit on the bottom, the signatures, and uh, I think it's William had written, keep wearing those loud shirts, which I didn't realise they were that loud, but obviously they must have been. And, and how about you? Because you look at you now, and it's obvious that you've had, you've either been in a fight or an accident. <laughs> um, but th th there, is a, there is a hero, or a team of heroes in your story because it, it does seem that you were in a worse state than, I, than I'd known about. That I was in a worse state than I'd known about as well. I didn't realise how bad things were until I started working on this. Um, waking up in hospital, the mind's active, you're happy about that. Um, it took a while to, to get conscious but I could feel my feet, move my legs and move my arms. As far as I was concerned, I was okay. I'm not saying there weren't ups and downs, there were. But then I've been working on this and the doc speaking to the doctor and Obviously, I'd been back to see him a couple of times. Uh, I'd seen the scans, and then his description of when he first had to ins you know, inspect my face and that everything was moving underneath it. He said it was mush and it was all creaking and crunching underneath it. When I heard that... Yeah, I, I found I that did. disquieting, and it's yeah. not me. I mean, we well, no, I mean, I just... I don't, get, I don't get emotional about these things, but I just thought, oh, you know, you had a bit of a bad smack there, mate, and, uh, you know, allow myself a sh small pat on the back for... For myself pulling through, but um, the people that that, that uh, have helped me—I mean, they, they've had—they've been brilliant. You know, the doctor, my parents, and my mates.
That's Trevor Rees-Jones talking to me after the publication of his book, The Bodyguard Story. Trevor Rees-Jones, who was the sole survivor of the crash that killed Diana, Princess of Wales, and Dodie.